zeci de blocuri Rândând soare argintii zeci de blocuri În zor de zi Welcome to the Evolution of Capitalism podcast. My name is Mate Rigo of Yale and U.S. College, and I am talking to Liliana Yuga today, who has defended her dissertation at Central European University titled Reshaping the Historic City Under Socialism, State Preservation, Urban Planning, and the Politics of Scarcity in Romania, 1945 to 1977. And basically, Lily, my first question is, what are the major sort of temporal breaks in the history of uh, historical preservation in socialist Romania from the 1950s until the 1970s? Okay, so um, I'll start it my like a temporal framework, my dissertation with 1945. It was a sort of break at that point. So um, into history of historical preservation in Romania. So there was a direction for historical monuments before, I mean, before 45. It was founded um, at the end of the 19th century, but it just had very few members, just some like um, important personalities like Yorga, Nikolai Yorga, Mm -hmm. the historian, he was uh, its head for a long time. Um, But they didn't have, let's say, a lot of um, institutional support, neither financial support. So they were basically just restoring some some major monuments. They didn't have a lot of influence at at local level. Um, So this was the situation in the interwar period. Then... um, after 45, basically, um, the situation got really worse mm-hmm. <laughs> in the sense that uh, some people speak really of a disintegration of this institution. Um, even its its archive and its library was, was somewhere um, thrown away or put in a courtyard or there are all these kind of histories and then somebody... Um, saved it and placed it somewhere else. So it was a difficult situation at the beginning. And at the beginning of the 50s, there were three commissions that existed separately um, within different institutions. And then there was a gradual um, reorganization in the 1950s um, to have finally a department for historical monuments, which was part of of a greater department for construction and architecture for this state. Um, commission for architecture and constructions. So um, in the 1950s mm-hmm. and 1960s, I would say preservation was um, was better organized in the sense that it had uh, specialists that were trained during the interwar period, mm-hmm. and also young professionals were kind of enthusiastic about. Um, this activity, and they also benefited from institutional support mm-hmm. because, of, as part of the state committee for architecture, um, they were really, um, how to say, able to to defend their positions. And the head of this uh, state committee for architecture was somehow, let's say, pro- not necessarily protecting them, but. Um, they were in a good position, so to say. So that there was a good institutional relation mm-hmm. between the two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but still, their activity focused on the restoration of major monuments. 
So there was still this sort of, let's say, 19th century um, view on what preservation should deal with. So the major monuments of the mm -hmm. nation, the medieval churches, and so on. And an important uh, point was that in the mid-1950s, um, they managed also to make the inventory of historical monuments in Romania. Mm -hmm. So such an inventory didn't exist previously. Mm. So it was for the first time, um, of course it existed for Transylvania, for example, but not for the rest of mm -hmm. um, and um, this kind of, let's say, equilibrium or status quo starts, starts to change from, um, so after Toshis who came to power, because he wanted to, to reorganize his power base. So he, he started to change this kind mm -hmm. of institutional um, organization. This uh, state committees were uh, reorganized and this State Committee for Architecture precisely uh, no longer exists, so ceased its existence in 1967. Mm. So also the Department for Historical Monuments lost its protector, mm -hmm. so to say. And um, a lot more power was, was given to local administrations. Mm -hmm. um, so then there was, at the beginning of the 70s, there was a curious um, <laughs> shifts like the the monuments went to, to culture to the departments for culture and those were more politically subordinated and so on and so forth but um, it didn't have the kind of influence it used to have in the 50s and 60s okay um, but on the other hand of course the discourse um, on preservation developed because um, especially in the early 70s, late 60s, early 70s, also um, there was a, a more intense exchange, let's say, with professionals from, from other countries. And this whole new discourse on, um, on preservation, on, on historic cities and so on, started to um, be present also in, in Romania. For example, uh, an architect whom I interviewed, Eugenia Graciano, told me about the visit of, of some German colleagues who came to Bucharest in the early 70s and they were fascinated about the 19th century architecture mm. of Bucharest. And um, they were really praising the fact that Bucharest had such compact areas with 19th century architecture and they should preserve it. She told me that for her this was a total novelty. That before that, she saw that only medieval towns should be preserved. That is something that we should treasure, whereas 19th century architecture was disregarded. That's something like eclecticism. Okay. <laughs> you know. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. So um, what I wanted to add to this is that there were some, um, let's say, individual <laughs> initiatives. So not not necessarily the initiative of the Department for Historical Monuments, but um, architects who worked for this department um, started to uh, almost, let's say, to negotiate with local authorities and designate areas for uh, historical conservation or for architectural conservation in um, specific cities. For example, also in Yash and in Brasov and also in Klur. So um, these architects basically went to the local administration, 
um, engaged in negotiations with them and tried to convince them that specific areas in mm -hmm. uh, in these towns or cities should be preserved. But there were just some some um, yeah individual initiatives, which was which were didn't have any let's say legal follow-up. So there was no legislation for the protection of these areas, mm -hmm. basically. So this was a weak point. But these initiatives existed and um, about 30 uh, towns and cities in Romania had this kind of protected areas. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think what's so new and interesting about your project is that, you know, we often think of uh, communist and especially Romanian communist urbanism uh, in terms of destruction and neglect, right? And you're trying to point out that, you know, that there is more to it and there is a, there is a strong tradition of, of preservation. And now that we're talking, it seems to me that preservation, at least in the 50s and 60s, was in the hands of technocrats, right? So unlike Yorga, who was a historian, in, in, in your work for the 50s and 60s, you mostly mention architects, right? Who, yes. who speak in the name of some sort of engineering expertise. And I was wondering whether, A, whether that, that's true and whether the debates that they had about historical preservation were these about history, nationalism, or about, you know, creating a modern urban space strictly on the basis of science, right, and technology. Yeah, so... Um... It is true. I mean, I don't know to what extent we can call them technocrats, mm -hmm. um, but it is true that they have this approach, which is more technocratic, of course, than a historian who is just maybe interested yeah, in the history of the nation and promoting a certain kind of historical narrative through buildings, whereas architects are more interesting in the material, um, in the material side of it. I'm, I'm not mm -hmm. sure that, um, um, yeah, really there was this kind of debate necessarily for me. It was more like, not necessarily that they tried to catch up, you know, in the sense that by by um, initiating this inventory of historical monuments and so on. So these were things that in other countries or in other national contexts have been done at the end of the 19th century. Mm -hmm. So... Um, <laughs> It was also this kind of this kind of necessity. Of course, it was also the socialist because there was a socialist discourse about um, heritage and why do we need heritage, and of course, in association with the nation and so on. And um, there was the, the example of uh, Poland and Czechoslovakia that was very often invoked in the Romanian context. So there was also exchanges. There were also exchanges with architects from these countries, and there was also the the Soviet example, okay. because the Soviets promoted um, a law for historical monuments in um, 1948, precisely because there was so much destruction during the Second World War, uh, and monuments had to be protected because they were a symbol of the nation and patriot patriotism, and so all these connections. So um, basically, Romanian specialists, which were more architects, and I will have to add to this that uh, some architects, which was were previously modernists in the um, interwar period, found a sort of refuge in uh, preservation because they were no longer allowed to do modern architecture in the 50s. Mm -hmm. There was socialist realism and all this stuff, mm -hmm. so they didn't want to do this um, 
this kind of architecture, so they found a refuge in uh, in preservation. Mm-hmm. It's it's very interesting this mm-hmm. shift. And did um, also interwar experts get recycled in the fifties and early sixties? As preservationists, yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Because it's it's a sort of escape, and then they use let's say the Soviet model in this sense that oh look the Soviet Union is promoting uh, preservation we should do this as well mm-hmm. or um, in Czechoslovakia and Poland also Poland precisely because of the destructions during the war uh, there is a new renewed interest in monuments and so on so um, it is a context when uh, I mean there are all kind of factors which lead to this um, let's say, interest in monuments in the 50s. I don't find it necessarily connected to, to technology, mm-hmm. but um, there are other elements there which are uh, like leading to this, mm-hmm. <laughs> to this interest. And it's true, yes, it's promoted by, mostly by, by architects and less by historians mm-hmm. or other kind of specialists. And sort of Ceausescu comes up in your work both in a slightly positive and, and of course, the negative context. But, but one of the positive aspects that, you know, that I was surprised to read is that you mentioned that Ceausescu even raised his voice against um, some of the destructions that were going on in Romania. So what do we make of this? Yeah, I think, um, I think that for me, that was an important point because somehow the influence of Ceausescu is seen in Romanian history after '89 something, something destructive. I mean, in relation to buildings and our cities, so it was just a dis- like a destructive force, this almighty mm-hmm. <laughs> leader who is able to destroy cities and so on. Um, and I think that Ceausescu really had a big influence. But um, I, I regarded it somehow differently. So um, it really starts with his rising to power and his need to construct a different power base than that than that uh, that existed under Gheorghe Udej. So he needs new people. Mm-hmm. He needs new institutions. Um, and this is one, um, let's say, major change. For example, also in terms of local authorities. So in the 50s, 60s, you have let's say the mayors, it's no, they're no longer called mayors, but the mayors, the local leaders are either from the working class or even some intellectuals and so on. Uh, and their approach to the city, it's more um, considerate towards the, what exists. Whereas the new people he promotes in the 70s, there are new people mm-hmm. who are close to him, who are in the party school and so on and so forth. They are, they don't care so much about what exists. They, they have this kind of new mentality that everything has to change. Uh, you know, we are bringing about this transformative mm-hmm. force, which is communism, blah, blah, blah. And um, it's a big difference in, in the approach of local authorities. So just because he, he promotes different people. Um, and also this institutional change that I, I referred to before with the state committees and so on and so forth. And his second major impact is his critique of modernism. So in the 60s, modernism was um, not just in Romania, of course, at the international uh, level. It was 
the architecture that was built, modernist architecture. And of course, there is a criticism of modernism everywhere. Mm-hmm. But in Romania, uh, Ceausescu took this also as a, like a kind of personal project. And um, you, I could see this very clearly at local level, the kind of impact this had. So, for example, um, districts, there were new districts that were built with these uh, blocks in parallel rows, mm-hmm. and there was a lot of green space in between. Mm-hmm. So the, the approach was, you know, to have towers in the park. This was modernist with a lot of green space. Ceausescu thought that this was a waste of space to have so much green space in cities. Mm-hmm. We don't need so much green space. Mm-hmm. So in between two blocks, they basically local uh, engineers, construction engineers, were forced to build a new block, and they were against it. I could see this in, in discussions at local level how they were opposing this idea, but still. There was a directive which came from Bucharest, they had to do it. Everyone mm. was against it, even local leaders were against it. Still, they had to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this was his, <laughs> his big impact. But um, then the, the other aspect we have to take into consideration is the scarcity of resources, because this decision to build a new block in between two blocks was made really uh, in order to save resources. Because if we, if you expand the city horizontally, you need new infrastructure. You need there are a lot of other costs involved, mm-hmm. and um, that's why he also um, had in some situations a kind of preservationist attitude um, and opposed, let's say, unnecessary demolition. Um, there is an interesting discussion, for example, with some local leaders, I think, from Galat, where he was saying that. Um, um, it was okay. I mean, he he agreed on the demolition of some of the city center to be rebuilt and so on. But uh, these demolitions should not extend to other districts. And he was criticizing local leaders for encouraging further demolition. So he mm-hmm. <laughs> this the preservationist attitude is just for the sake of saving resources. Because mm-hmm. if you demolish if you demolish houses. Um, the state had to provide new housing for those people who um, who are living in those houses. Mm-hmm. And, and is it what we see here also uh, sort of bears witness to a divide and rule strategy, making the institution that's in charge of historical preservation weaker? And you also mentioned that the institute itself, because there was such an amalgam and, and sort of mix of experts coming together in these institutions, uh, there was a lot of debate within these institutions. And you also argue that because of these internal debates, uh, historical preservation could not, preservationists could not further their interests so effectively and efficiently. Is that, is that, am I reading it well or right? Um, it seems to be this way. So um, I, um interviewed basically one architect. I mean, the, the last architect was still alive, <laughs> was mm-hmm. part of this institution because they're, of course, older. And um, But I read also other memoirs and documents. From, and it seems that there were a lot of, um, yeah, dissensions, misunderstandings. So this institution could not function basically as a I don't know, unitary, strong uh, group of people who had the same, who followed the same um, interest in a way, and there were there were dissensions. There were, and and I think that this contributed 
you know, to the weakening of the, the preservationist discourse and the voices, of course, in, I mean, in, this institution was basically almost destroyed until the 80s. Mm -hmm. uh, so in the 80s, then you have more isolated voices, people who are criticizing, but they're not part of an institutional structure um, necessarily. And so I couldn't say like make a very like strong argument about this but it seems to me that this this really contributed to, to the weakening of this mm -hmm. and then in, if we look at the 80s there were more and more interest uh, shifted towards other areas of preservation let's say paintings in churches mm -hmm. or this kind of mm -hmm. so you're still doing preservation but not in cities not in mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. um, could you give an example of how historical preservationists solved or deflected interwar nationalist debates in the 1950s and 1960s so that they do not come to the fore? I'm just thinking of one example in, in your dissertation, but probably you can give a better one, is the restoration of the Batland Tower, one of the remnants of the medieval fortification of Cluj in the 50s and 60s and instead of making it uh, into historical exhibition and medieval Cluj in fear of making it into a Hungarian nationalist exhibition they just decided to turn the bastion into uh, an old weaponry museum right something that's neutral so that's yes. just one example but can you give other examples of how these experts of various you know nationalities and even political convictions came together, right? Because it's interesting that you would have uh, Edgar Bollock, who is of course a leftist, but he's a, he's a Hungarian <clears throat> um, or Transylvanian Hungarian with, with German origins and all that. And you have you have various Romanians working together. And it seems to me that 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 nationalism is not at the center of your story. Mm, yes, it's true. It, it is not because I think a lot of. Um a lot of these Romanian architects, which were part of the um, Direction for Historical Monuments, um, they were great admirers of the architecture in Transylvania, so to say. Mm -hmm. So they, they treasured this really as part of a, I don't know, universal, <laughs> um, you know, architect for art history canon. So you have medieval fortifications, medieval churches, Gothic, Baroque, things that in the rest, or in Wallachia and Moldavia, didn't exist in this form. So at this point, for them, it was not relevant. For for them, how to say, it was a great honor that they had the chance to to um, mm -hmm. you know participate in the preservation of this um, this kind of architecture. So I, I didn't find this kind of uh, let's say dissensions that. To interpret, to associate uh, built heritage with a kind of uh, nationalist discourse. Mm -hmm. So this is, um, I don't know, German or there was a bit of of misunderstandings, let's say, uh, in the early 50s, associated with um, uh, monuments or yeah, important buildings in German um, towns, such as Brasov. There were people who wanted to demolish, <laughs> suggested that they should demolish uh, Saxon buildings because mm. they were fascist. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, interesting. Uh, this kind of um, um, yeah, discourses existed, but just in the early 50s, and uh, there were also locals who reacted against this. I don't know, it's not possible to demolish. You know. 
churches or so on because they're they're not fascist and so on. Uh, so this kind of discourse existed. But um, apart from that, I think they were all at least you know the architects uh, that I talked with. They were all very great admirers of the architecture existing in Transylvania mm-hmm. and so on. And um, I think also at the local level, at, as far, at least for Cluj, I could see that there was there was interest in uh, preservation, and, and I suspect it was promoted by Hungarians mostly by, because they were, they also had a, a good tradition in this regard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm, and I think it was also, let's say, from the part of the state, it meant, I mean, investing in the restoration of um, Hungarian and, and German uh, churches and medieval fortresses, it was also a way of showing, uh, how to say, consideration Mm-hmm. For the nationalities, at least in the uh, in the fifties, and of course, then there were voices among the Romanians. So, okay, but there are also Romanian monuments who are in greater need of uh, funding for for restoration, so on, than some Hungarians have. But anyway, so uh, I would say even that uh, Hungarian churches and fortresses and so on were were not not privileged, but they re- received consistent funding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And one more thing that came to mind, and you touch on it sort of peripherally, but I find it interesting that it comes up in a dissertation or a work on socialism, is the question of expropriations, right? That you sort yes. of mentioned that, that many of the uh, projects of historical preservationists could not be carried out or were carried out slower than they planned because of expropriation issues. So how did urban property rights function during socialism in Romania? I think this is a big question and a good question that should be really further research in much more depth. Um, I found this also um, in the case of reconstruction of normal, I mean normal, let's say not historical district, just the district that had to be reconstructed. So the first step is to expropriate there is this uh, idea that, of course, there was the nationalization of property, and property rights were no longer an issue. Uh, but actually, it was a big issue because just, I think, 22-25% of um, buildings were nationalized mm-hmm. during communism, and uh, I mean in, in 48, and um, for all the rest, the state had to pay. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Um, if you look at any project of reconstruction of a, of a district, there are a lot of files with expropriation. So all those people had to be somehow convinced to sell their properties to the state. Of course, the state was giving other housing in return and all these um, things, but still the, it was a big issue. Um, and I, I couldn't look a lot into this because of you know, some issues we still have with the archives because of these restitution laws and so on. Mm-hmm. They were really reluctant to give me information about this uh, in the archives. But, um, I mean, even in Cluj, I could see, for example, in the city center, of course, that the, uh, let's say, Hungarian churches preserved a lot of their properties mm-hmm. in, in, in the city center. So, um, for any kind of project, that uh, would have been initiated, there should have been negotiations with the owners. Mm-hmm. 
So this is, I, I can only raise it as a, as a further point, sure. <laughs> you know, to, to, be, to be researched, but it is a big issue. It, I think it was not sufficiently, how to say, emphasized. That there, was, there is some work on um, property rights and so on in the 50s, for many of also for mm-hmm. Timisoara and so on. So uh, people started to, to ask questions, researchers started to ask questions also about these issues, but I think it's, it's still at the beginning. I could not give a very sure. adequate answer, but um, I think it, it's just, you know, under evaluated or under emphasized. And I mean, by way of conclusion, I have to ask you about the 1980s, 1990s and 2000s and historical preservation. I know that your dissertation ends in 1977, but but what takes place after? Well, after, um, there are important um, developments. I mean, to a certain extent, there are also uh, continuities, let's say, in what concerns the the preservationist discourse, or just the discourse itself, not the actions itself. It evolves in the same way, so um, as it started in the, in the 70s. So you have even more and more um, architects or other intellectuals who, who get engaged in this um, in this discourse. And for example, like I can give. Um, more details for Cluj, because this uh, preservationist uh, activity is, at institutional level, is to a certain extent decentralized. So the institution in Bucharest lost its um, power to a certain extent, but um, then you have a similar institution organized um, at the Museum of History and still with some architects and historians and local specialists, so it's a local organism. And, and um, this specialists continue this work of, um, um, let's say, documenting which buildings are historically uh, valuable and they are writing articles and so on. So there is a development in this direction at local level. And I think it, it's, it's probably similar for every um, city and there are really, um, maybe they don't have so much power in negotiations with local authorities, but at the level of discourse, at the level of research, uh, they continue like discovering the values of the city, mm-hmm. the historical values of the city and arguing for a kind of situation. So this is at the level of discourse. <laughs> at the level of practice, um, there is this pressure for constructing more and more and more. There are also more funding. and. Uh, I think uh, housing construction was almost one of the like the few uh, domains which was still founded in the 1980s. There was scarcity of everything, but it was still there was still investment in housing constructions and even in Cluj or in Yash. Um, you know, the, a lot, a lot, a lot is built in the 1980s. Is being built and building something new is definitely. Uh, um, threatens old districts and the survival of old districts. Uh, plus, there is this project with civic centers, which is, of course, well known for Bucharest, but um, old towns and cities should have had these civic centers, which overlaps, right, to a certain extent, the historical 
area of the city. So there were this kind of conflicts everywhere. And in Cluj, the architects were telling me about their they were their struggles to postpone the um, the even discussions about this topic with local authorities in the sense they were proposing different projects maybe we should locate it here or there or mm -hmm. in another place and they were trying somehow to avoid <laughs> the discussions mm -hmm. about the civic center so that you have much more much stronger debates i think so there i think there is a rise of um or a rise in preservationist and uh, preservationist attitudes but there is also a lot of investment directed towards uh, the development of cities. And so these two come very strongly in conflict and the situation in Bucharest was the most discussed with the civic center and all the demolitions there. Um, and of course that was a major project. And, um, but similar discussions took place everywhere in, in, in Romania. Um, and I should add, after um, 89, it is interesting that, um, you know, these architects were on one hand criticizing what happened in the 80s and all these things, and then they're saying, you know, but in historic centers after 89, there was more destruction than previously, mm. <laughs> including in, in Cluj. So the, um, because, of course, um, all these investors and it's a different somehow a different context um, in which they they lost their power. Mm. Uh, you know, um, it's interesting to see that the old architects, I, I'm referring here mostly to Cluj because I, I know them better, they somehow, they still try to get involved in the discussions of what happens to the city, new projects, but they still have the old framework. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so how things were decided previously. There was uh, an architect was responsible at district level and he had so much decisional power and he could do this and this. And uh, in the last days I was uh, part of such of such debates here. Inclusion, they, they still refer to this kind of old institutional framework. And, um, yeah, so I think after 89, although there was, of course, we have an institution now, which is called, <laughs> this is called like for, for the protection of heritage, we have a new inventory, we have, let's say, more power, but there is still a lot of destruction going on. And uh, this is somehow something that the old architects, if I always call them old architects, something that is hard to explain for them, because they, they were thinking, so much, you know, if we had the better legislation, if we had, it would be easier to prevent destruction. But um, destruction is still um, happening. Although, of course, there is also restoration and other funding for restoration. And, um, it's a different context, but still, uh, you know, we cannot say that the situation has so much improved because we have, you know, capitalism, mm -hmm. democratic. <laughs> Uh, country, so to say. Sure. Liliana, you guys, thank you so much for the conversation. Okay, thank you.